I'm excited, y'all. We are, we are kicking off a new series tonight. This new series is called The Thread, and what we're looking at is Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, how many of you, I, I wonder, how many of y'all have started like the year in the Bible? Read your Bible in a year, Genesis to Revelation. Raise your hand if you started that. Yeah, some of us. All right, is it, is it just me or is it like you get to Genesis 8, 9, 10, whatever, and it's like impossible after that? Anybody relate? That could be a tough thing. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about what makes the Bible hard, because I can relate to that, especially when I was younger, especially, that's how you know the Lord is really moving in here, especially um, in the Old Testament. So really quick, I'm going to pray for us, y'all, and then I just want to challenge you to tune in. I know there is so many distractions, friends, phones, um, our own thoughts, right? Maybe your mind is, is in a different world. Um, but I just want to challenge you to, to tune into the word tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good, you are holy, you are just. And God, we don't deserve you, but you chose to love us so much. And we thank you for that love tonight. And we ask you, Lord, to be with us in this time. Help me to speak clearly. Help us to understand your word. And I pray, God, that you, that you would change us and grow us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible, do this. Open up to the book of Genesis. We are going to take a look today at Genesis chapter 3. Now, I want, I want to share this with you. I, I don't know how many of y'all are really into art. Anybody here really into artwork, paintings, and all that stuff? Okay, some of y'all are really into art. I remember when I was in school, we would go on field trips to art museums, and I would be walking around, and there's these paintings, and these paintings, it, this blew my mind. They were worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it, it blew my mind because when I looked at this painting, it looked like I gave my two-year-old daughter five of her favorite colored crowns. By the way, it's crowns, not crayons. Five of her favorite colored crowns. And she just went to this, this whiteboard and just went, Ugh. and that's what it looked like to me. And I would look at it, but other people, other people would go up to this painting and they would be blown away. That is the most beautiful, that is genius. It's not just pretty, but it's genius. It's brilliant. It is like incredible to them. And I never understood that until I realized that I just didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't appreciate it because I didn't really know what was happening in this painting, in this picture. It, it, it went above my head. I didn't know what was going on. And I wonder tonight for y'all, I wonder tonight for y'all, if you view the Bible in a similar way. Like, I wonder if your approach 
to the Bible or when you read the Bible on your own or maybe when you hear the Bible being preached uh, like tonight, if you hear it, but it's just not brilliant to you. Like the word itself isn't like as fascinating to you as some people say or as you hear some people talk about. I wonder, have you ever wondered why? Well, tonight and also throughout this series, y'all, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at what makes the Bible so beautiful, at what makes it so glorious, at what makes it incredible to our eyes. And I, I pray tonight that you see it. And tonight and throughout this series, as we look at Jesus in the Old Testament, I hope, I hope that you see that the Old Testament is not just some collection of ancient old books that mean nothing for us today. Like, I hope after this you see the Old Testament not as old and dead, but as alive and incredible and truthful. We know, we know that the Bible is God's word, right? Well, I want to tell you that includes the Old Testament. It includes the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New collectively is God's breathed out, alive and active word. That is a powerful thing. It's a really powerful thing. It's breathed out. It's not dead, but it's alive. And what I want you to see tonight and throughout this series is that the entire Bible, not just the New Testament, fellas, but the Old Testament as well, it all points to Jesus. All of it. Not just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not just Paul's letters and the epistles. Not just Revelation, but Genesis, Deuteronomy, the Psalms. It all is about this one person, Jesus. And So that's what we're going to look at tonight. If you have a Bible, like I said, open up to Genesis chapter 3. And what I hope you see tonight and learn tonight, and what I hope God shows you tonight, this, that despite our sin, God gives us hope. Despite our sin, we can have hope because of God's grace and because of his mercy. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 15, and just some background for you here. I know some of you may know this, but Genesis chapter 1, what is Genesis chapter 1 about? Creation. There's nothing there except God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God speaks and things come into existence, right? It's incredible. That's what Genesis chapter 1 is. You have God's creation. Genesis chapter 2, you see God placing Adam in the garden to work it. It's beautiful, perfect relationship with God. Everything was perfect. There was no death. There was nothing bad. And then God gives Adam who? Eve, fellas, aren't we thankful for for the women of the world, right? I know I'm thankful for my wife. She's incredible. I I love my brothers. I grew up with three brothers, but I cannot imagine living with my brothers my whole life. Amen? Anyways, God gives us, gives Adam Eve. He gives Adam Eve in Genesis chapter 2. And everything is going smoothly at this time. Everything is going perfect. 
he puts them in the garden, and God says to them, work it. My creation, it's, it's yours. Reign over it. The animals, they're under you. I've put you over them. But here's one thing. One thing. Don't touch. Don't eat of this tree. Don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One rule. And what do they do? We know what they do. Look look at it with me. Genesis chapter 3. This is where we're picking up. Verses 1 through 7. Let's read that first. Here's what it says. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Whoa. This moment, I want you to think about this. In all of the history of the universe, in all the history of the universe, this moment is one of the biggest events in all of history. If you don't know what this is called, this we look at this story and we call this the fall referring to the fall of mankind. It's called the fall of mankind. And we see here, we see here that you and I, as human beings, made in God's image, valuable because we're made in God's image, we have an enemy. And we have an enemy who hates us so much. And I want you to see this enemy. His name is Satan. In this passage, he is in the form of a snake. Anybody here like snakes? Some of us do. That kind of amazes me. When I go to the zoo, there's a glass there, and I still get freaked out. Um, the, the sa- Satan is in the form of a snake. And look at what he does. There's, there's three things that Satan does to Adam and Eve, and he does this to you and me today. Look at what he does. Here's the first thing. In verse 1, Satan does this. He disguises himself. Satan disguises himself, right? Satan in this passage, he takes the form of a snake. He takes the form of a serpent. He disguises himself. Think about this for us. You know, lies, y'all, lies can come to you in many different forms, many different ways. Lies can come to you in your thoughts. Lies can come to you from a friend. They can come to you from a video you look at, from a movie you're watching, from a book you're reading. Lies can come to us in so many different forms. And we're going to see that lies come from a person. They come from the one who we're going to see later is the father of lies, the devil. 
So the first thing Satan does is he disguises himself. Here's the second thing he does. The second thing that he does is that he questions God's word. He comes up to Eve, and what is the first thing he says? Did God really say? Did God really say? I don't know where y'all are at tonight, but I'm sure being in high school or middle school, or even us leaders for sure, that there's some moments in your life, maybe you're in that moment right now, where you're in this place of just questioning God's word. Where you have a thought that comes into your mind like, I know that the Bible says something about this. I don't know if that's really true. I don't know if that could really be the case. I don't know if that's really possible. Well, I want you to see this because this is the pro- This is how he duped Eve and it's how he duped us. Did God really say? So here's what Satan does. He disguises himself. He questions God's word. And then the third thing is he outright lies. He completely lies. First he, question, he questions it and then he says, you won't die. You won't die. Yeah, I know God said if you eat of this or touch it, you're going to die. But that's not going to happen. And then what? What does Eve do? She eats. And then she gives it to Adam. And Adam, standing along, does nothing about it. He's just like, okay, I he eats. And immediately, you have the fall of mankind. You have this problem that entered into the world that affects you and I more than anything else in your world. There's this problem that started right here, y'all, that it affects us today more than anything else. More than your teachers in your school, more than the parents that you have, more than your siblings, even though I know they can be annoying sometimes. More than any of that, there is one thing that affects you and I in our daily life more than that, and it's sin. Sin affects everything. Look at what happens. We're going to see how it does. Look at what happens. Verse 8 to 13. Read with me. Verse 8 to 13. Uh, Here's what it says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So what's happening here? You see something happen in this right here that has never existed in the world up to this point. Here's the first thing you see. You see shame. Think about that word shame, y'all. Shame stinks, doesn't it? That guilt we feel, that embarrassment we feel, that just constant thing lingering in us that, that just, it feels like this weight over us. Shame, where did it come from? God didn't create that. God didn't intend for that for us. How do we have that? 
us. It's what happens when we sin. It's what happens when we turn away from God. That's what Adam and Eve did. They completely turned away. And they sinned. And so you have shame for the first time. The other thing you have for the first time ever, never before this moment, was there fear. Anybody here relate with that? Fear? Can you relate with fear? Can you relate with anxiety? Anxiousness, fear, troubledness in our hearts. You ever wonder where that comes from? It goes back to right here. You have fear, you have shame. And just like we mentioned before, we live in a broken world, don't we? I know y'all see that in your schools. I know you see it on the news. All the things that we see in the world that are broken, where does it all come from? It comes from this. And you know what? I get really sad. I get really sad when I hear about friends, uh, family members, uh, grandparents of mine that I know I've had conversations with before. They say, I can't believe in God. I can't trust God. I can't honor him, and I can't follow him as my Lord and my Savior because there's just too much evil in the world. The world is too evil. The world is too bad. Like, surely God can't be real because look at this. What they miss, and maybe what you're missing, is that God didn't intend for this. The brokenness we see, that wasn't his intention. But it's what happens when sin enters the world. That is what happens. But something so much worse happened than that. Something worse than the shame they felt. Something worse uh, than the fear. Something worse um, than all of that happened. Just like God's word promised them to them to them his warning of don't do this or you will die. Death. Why is it that you and I, family? friends, people who have gone before us, why does death come? It goes back to sin. And it's worse than that. It's not just physical death, but it's spiritual death. Now, spiritual death is even worse than physical death because at the moment Adam and Eve ate of the the fruit, they didn't immediately die. Yet at that moment, their body started this process of decaying eventually from that moment on, they were going to physically die. But what did happen at that very moment, at that very moment, was separation from God. And that's the worst of it. That's the worst of it. That right there is what you and I enter into the world as, when you're born as a baby. You see, because when sin entered through Adam and Eve, sin now passed on to their whole line. And we're going to see that in this. Sin entered, and it went down to every generation. It's what we're born into. It's why my two-year-old daughter is disobedient sometimes. Because of sin. I didn't teach her to do that. My mama taught her. I'm kidding. That's Easter, though. But we sin, y'all. We sin. And look at what happens. God calls them. He says, where are you? Just so you know, God is fully aware where Adam is. You know that, right? 
Like he's not, he's not like really concerned. I don't know where they are. Where are? No, God knows exactly where they are. He knows exactly what has happened. I want you to see this. Because here's the easy thing to miss about this. I read Adam and Eve growing up. Great, I've heard the story, dude. Uh, I know what it's about. I know it's why we have problems today. I get all that. But here's what I didn't really understand when I was younger. I didn't really understand that Adam and Eve's story was also my story. I looked at Adam and Eve. I'm like, well, dang, y'all just screwed it up for everybody. Well, no, actually. Well, yes and no. First of all, it's what I do. Think about this. It's what you and I do. Have, we, have you ever been disobedient to your parents? Ever? It's sin, right? It's sin. Have you ever told a lie? Ever? Well, that's sin. Have you ever had a bad thought, a lustful thought? Have you ever wanted something that didn't belong to you in a bad way? That's sin. And here's the thing that we do. What you and I do is that is we downplay our sins. We think of our sins like almost like a speeding ticket. Like, hey, some of you don't get this, but some of you who are older, you're driving. Like, if it's a 55, if I go 60, 65, whatever. If I get pulled over, ah, whatever. And we view our sins that way, like it's just some heavenly traffic violation. But it's actually not. Look at what God has to do. And the reason sin is a big deal, even if you think it's not, the reason sin is a huge deal is for one reason. God is holy. And the fact that God is holy means the fact that God is holy, meaning that he is perfect, he is completely set apart, he is, he is different than what we are, he is perfect in all his ways. He is above everything. The fact that God is holy is a big deal because if God is in fact holy, then he can't be around sin. And so this is what happens to Adam and Eve. In the midst right here of one of the worst times in all of history, one of the most influential moments in all of history, that's what happens. But you also see in this, you also see in this, and this is what I don't want you to miss tonight. You also see God's unbelievable kindness, his unbelievable mercy, his unbelievable love for us in this. Look what he goes on to say, verses 14 and 15. Now he turns his attention to the serpent, and look at what he says. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock, more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And listen to this. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This right there, Genesis 3.15. If you don't memorize scripture, if you do, Put that one down on your memorization list. Genesis 3.15. This is the best news in the world. This is the best news ever. Here's what God is saying. What he's saying is, hey, I will put hostility between you and the woman. Meaning, 
throughout history now, at this moment of time, there's going to be a war. And this war was going to be a war against God's children, God's people, and a war against those who are children of the devil, children of Satan. And it's going to be this conflict that happens on and on from this point on. Listen, the Bible talks about this in the New Testament. All of us are God's creatures. We are made by God. We're valuable because we're made in God's image. But we are not all God's children. Only believers are God's children. That's what the Bible teaches. 1 John 3, it says this. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Oh, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now think about this. From the seed of the woman, now when they have children, you have this war going on. Anybody know who comes next? comes next? Adam and Eve, and then comes Cain and Abel. What happens? What happens? War. You see this, right? You see this. There's this conflict now between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. What I want y'all to see tonight, and, and particularly in this next portion, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. The entire Old Testament of the Bible, y'all, goes back to this verse. The whole Old Testament, the story of Noah, the story of Joseph, the story of Abraham and Isaac, everything comes through this verse, Genesis 3.15, because here's what God is saying when he says, he, there's going to be this one. There's going to be somebody who comes through the seed of the woman. And this somebody, here's what he's going to do to you, Satan. He's going to strike your head. Striking on the head, that's a fatal blow. But he says, he will strike your head. You, you're going to strike his heel. I would much rather get hit on the heel, right? I would much rather get hit on my foot than I would my head, true? So here's what he's saying. What is he pointing to? the best news in the world in the midst of our sin y'all here's what you need to know about who God is God is gracious God is kind and even in the midst of our rebellion remember Adam and Eve it's not just their thing this is our thing in the midst of our rebellion against God what is he doing he shows us grace and he is planning a way to save us through his son Jesus all throughout the rest of the, New, the Old Testament. What is it about? Is it about random stories, crazy things, Daniel in the lion's den, just random crazy stories? No. The rest of the Bible is tracing the thread, this seed, this lineage of this one king who is going to come and destroy Satan. And we know who it is. It's Jesus. What I want you all to know tonight as we ready to head out. What I want you all to know is this, that God gives us hope despite our sin, despite you and I turning our backs to God. Just like Adam and Eve, they turned their backs to God. Despite that, God gives us hope. You see, God gave us a law to obey, and what? just like Adam and Eve, what do we do? We fail. We fail, and we fail. And so what did he do for us? 
God says there's only one way. And this is, you see it right here. There's only one way that you can be saved. There's only one way that you and I can be forgiven of our sins. And it is if this, if God himself steps out of heaven, entering his own creation, becomes a man unlike us, unlike us where we gave in to the temptation of the devil, God himself must not give in. We know Jesus was born of the woman, fully God, fully man. Jesus, when he's in the wilderness, same thing is happening. It's like a rerun of the fall. But Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't give in. He says, no, it is written. No, it is written. No, it is written. And he, he wins. He wins the battle on our behalf. And why is that a big deal? Because if Jesus failed in that moment, you need to know that you and I are hopeless. You and I can only look forward to this, that a just, holy God has to punish sin because he's just, because he's holy, and we, we're hopeless. So Jesus wins on our behalf. And he goes to the cross, a spotless, perfect lamb, and he dies in your place and in my place on the cross. The punishment that we deserve for sin, he took it on himself at the cross. And the Bible says, and we know this to be true, that Jesus rose from the dead. Listen, you can find the body of Buddha. You can find the body of every pope. You can find the body of Muhammad. You can't find the body of Jesus. He's alive. He rose from the dead. And if that's not reason enough to trust in him with your life, I don't know what is. But his invitation to us, and this is my invitation for you tonight, to believe in him, to trust in this one who died in your place despite our sin. He offers us hope. Hope is a powerful, beautiful thing. For those of you who know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would read through the Old Testament in a new way. It's all pointing to Jesus. It's all following this thread. And for those of you who may not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may have come to church your whole life. You may go to a Christian school. You may have done all the religious things. You may have even gone to a missions trip. You may have even been baptized. I wonder if there's some tonight who, who, who can't honestly say that Christ is your Savior and your Lord. I invite you to trust in him, to believe in him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the band is going to come on up. If you want to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, this is what Jesus says. He says, I have come, the kingdom is at hand. He says, repent of your sins and believe in the good news. Turn away from our sins and believe in him, trust in him. He says, he alone is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If you want to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior and follow him, Caleb is going to be in the back. I'm going to be over here on the side. We'd love to talk to you pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of Adam and Eve's rebellion, even in that spot, Lord, you were gracious and loving and your heart for us was to save us and to rescue us because you're kind and because you are loving. 
Thank you so much for that, Lord. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.